I have found in my work as a medium is that every life matters. Every life counts. And there are so many days when people think nobody's noticed me. I don't matter. And that may be what you think, but in the bigger picture, everyone has their part to play. Welcome to the Gary Scott Thomas Show. Here's what we know. The podcast with unexpected conversations. Listen each week as we engage in unscripted conversations where we'll be just as surprised as you will be with where the dialogue goes. So join us each week and be privy to the captivating conversations that are sure to ensue. Here's your host, Gary Scott Thomas. Welcome to the show. I think this is going to be one of the more fun episodes we've ever done because I do a lot of different things. But they reached out to me, his people, because he has them. His people reached out to me and said, would you like to talk to a psychic medium lawyer? And I'm like, answer me this. Who the hell wouldn't want to talk to a psychic medium lawyer? I know I do. You've seen him on TV. You've seen him on the doctor's show. He's been everywhere. As soon as I saw your face, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Folks, it's Mark Anthony. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great, Gary. Thanks for having me on. So Florida, hi. I grew up on the Florida-Alabama line. How hot is it today? As we record this episode, it's in August. It's really hot. It's hot, hazy, and humid. But, you know, I'd rather take those three... H's and the other three H's, hot, humid, and hurricane. So I'll take the hot, hazy, and humid. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's August in Florida, so it's it's always hot. But, you know, it's part of the, the joy of living in the tropics. Well, it's what I've always told people is people will go and they'll spend their week in Disney World, right? And they'll go, oh, it's right. so hot. But, you know, I lived. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't get to say you've had the Florida experience until you've been there four months, and you've been there four months. Now you can go, okay, I truly know the soul-sucking energy that comes from nonstop heat and humidity. Well, it's there's a saying here. We have two seasons, spring and hell. And, and the thing is, <laughs> hell goes on about seven months. But, uh, you know, for the people that, that think Florida's miserable, come back in January, February, March. April. It's absolutely beautiful here. Okay. You know, that's the yeah. same thing people in Minnesota and North Dakota say in reverse. Okay. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it's, it's the whole thing of like, yeah, I know January sucks, but you should see summer, which is June 11th through 13th. You should be there. It's, it's <laughs> awesome. And the same thing, what I find, because I still have family who lived in, in the Tampa area. I don't know where you're at, but they're in the Tampa area. And I'll find it hilarious if I do go down there in January and February, and it's 71 degrees. Y'all, y'all, you'll see people walking on the river walk in Tampa wearing a coat and a hoodie <laughs> with gloves on when it's 71 degrees. It's amazing. Well, it's, it's funny because, you know, humans, we adapt to our environment. And I was in Colorado and a friend of mine, she said, Hey, do you want to go on a hike? And we're at this place called Chautauqua, which is right outside of Boulder. Well, just getting out of the, the car and walking across the parking lot, I'm winded, right? Cause we're over a mile elevation. Yeah. I'm like, <sighs> and she goes, now see that, that hill. It wasn't a hill to me. It's a mountain. We're hiking up that. So the whole time I'm, <sighs> you know, doing this, but I, you know, I've hiked a lot in mountains and she's like, boy, you must really be out of shape and all this. And it's like, 
I live nine feet above sea level, and now we are at a mile. All right, so six months later, she yeah. comes to visit me, and I said, hey, let's go for a walk. And we walk uh, across the causeway to the mainland. I live in East Coast Central Florida along the Intracoastal Waterway. So we're uh, walking up the over the bridge, and it's beautiful looking at the Indian River, and she's like, <gasps> The humidity, the heat. I go, wow, you must really be out of shape, you know. And and so she wasn't used to the the density of the air, the humidity, the heat. And, and people need to realize wherever you are, it takes time to get adapted to it. And I spent a lot of time down in the Andes in South America because part of what I do is I travel around the world and I study, you know, ancient mysteries, supernatural phenomenon, and spending time with the Quechua people in the Andes. And if you think Colorado's high, when you're in the Andes, add another half mile, right? So <laughs> the Andes so go here, hold my beer. Yeah, I mean, well, the people there have, by our standards, abnormally large lungs. So over the millennia, they've adapted. You know, I love when people say evolution's not true. It's like, yeah, well, you know, travel. And, and so I'm seeing, you know, these people there. But the one thing about the Andes, you never see anyone smoking. I didn't see one cigarette and they said it there's too thin. But but they they have these extra large lungs so that and and it's you know here I am once again the, the 9 feet above sea level guy my lungs are searching for anything to grab onto and one of the funniest things is they said well drink this and I look at it I go well what is this and they go it's coca tea. All right now I'm a, I'm a criminal offense lawyer I used to be a prosecutor but it's legal there. So I'm tasting it and I go Man, this kind of tastes like chamomile tea. This has that kind of herbal type taste. Well, about 10 minutes later, let me tell you something. It's nothing like chamomile tea. All of a sudden, I'm like, all right, let's go mountain climbing. And what I found, and I've, I've used this now to my benefit, certainly not with coca, but with other like really strong coffee or something like a Red Bull, is when you're in high altitude, if you take a strong stimulant, strong cup of coffee, maybe some Zip Fizz or or Red Bull, what it does is it speeds up your body's ability to metabolize oxygen and it counteracts the altitude sickness. So the dizziness, the disorientation, the physical weakness subside. But let me tell you, that was quite the experience in the Andes. <laughs> well, you you know, it's kind of funny because you and I are, are going on a, a similar path because I used to work in Colorado also, right? And it's the same right. thing, you know, the, the cold when you go through that area. And I always tell people, you know, five, below, five up above feels no different to your body than five below. It doesn't. Because you get to a certain level where you can't feel anymore. What happens is the changes that happen in your body, like your face starts to freeze and stuff like that, yeah. right? So, <laughs> so you can't be outside for long when, when you're doing that. And the same thing in Florida, if you sweat too much, when your body has lost all its electrolytes, you don't yes. feel it. And then all of a sudden it's just like, boom, you crash and you crash hard. Here's a fun fact where I came from. There is the highest spot in Florida. There's a sign. There's a sign right where I live in that area that says Florida's highest spot. And I think it's like 300 feet. 
Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm and sure. it's right. It's yeah. right, right in Alabama. So really, it's Alabama's lowest spot. Florida's highest spot. And people don't realize in the Panhandle of Florida there are actually caves. Mm-hmm. They're they're not you know real elaborate, but they are caves. Florida has a very unique geology. It's a sandbar. It's got an amazing aquifer. It's got several different climatic zones. We go from tropical to to temperate well, you know certainly where you're from along the Alabama border and where I live is the subtropics but 30 miles south of where I live the tropics begin in in the Vero Beach area and it's fascinating Gary because plants will grow there that won't grow here and we're talking you know 30 minute drive so it, it, it's very interesting people tend to think that Florida is Daytona Beach and Disney World and that's it and there there's quite a bit more to it it's 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 huge. Uh, every every place has something to offer it is a big state and of course I live in Northern California now so we suffer through 87 degrees and sunny every day of the year. Right. I mean, that's what we do. It's being a weather person in Northern California is either the A easiest or B most boring job in the entire world. Cause there's nothing to see here. We laugh because whenever we get even the smallest amounts of rain, our TV stations have weather trucks because they just want to use them. And no, we're storm tracker 11. There's a chance of rain. And I, I kid you not, you'll have reporters standing on the side of the road going, it looks like it's going to rain. It looks like it's going <laughs> to. So, yeah, it, it, everybody has something. And by the same token, two hours to the south of here is desert, right? Yeah. It's just crazy. Well, Cal- California, I love California. I spent a lot of time out there and certainly before the pandemic. And then I'll be back there quite a bit in 2023 because at least 20 weeks out of the year, I'm on tour. In fact, next week, I will be speaking at the Helping Parents Heal annual conference in Phoenix. That's going to be between August 18th and the 23rd. And then over Labor Day, between August 31st and September 4th, I'll be the keynote speaker at the International Association for Near-Death Studies. And that's going to be in Salt Lake City in Utah. And then in October, over the weekend of the right around the 18th, I'm going to be speaking at Edgar Casey's Ancient Mysteries Conference in Virginia Beach. So I've got three tours within the next three months, and we're looking into more. You know, now that the, the pandemic, at least that we have defenses to it, and it's somewhat under control getting back out there on tour. But in the meantime, doing shows like this, which I, I'm just thrilled to be on, and I do a lot of online events. This weekend, I've got two online spirit communication events, and I usually have those about every month that people want to find out. Please visit my website, afterlifefrequency.com, which I just happen to have a copy of my new book, which is just like my new book, The Afterlife Frequency. Dot com And I'm inviting all of your listeners to sign up for my newsletter. And you can find out about uh, my, my weekly show, The Psychic and the Doc. We'll have to have you on there sometime, Gary. Hey, I think that would be fun. You know how much you and I were talking when we went on this. You know how weird it is for 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 interviewers to be interviewed. But it's 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 kind of fun. And, and we want to get into that because, as you can tell, I'll go down a rabbit hole and get distracted. I, I will. I, I, I love I love the, com- the conversation you get to have. I do have to ask one more question about Florida. Why sure. Florida? Are you from there? Well, it, I came here when I was two years old. 
my my parents are from the Northeast, and my dad got a job in aerospace, and that's why we live near Kennedy Space Center. And he was one of the guys in the golden age of the space probe. Before I came along, he'd worked with Chuck Yeager, and he came up with the idea. And if you'll indulge me for a minute, my dad came up with the idea of retro rockets on the lunar module. So here he is. He's a young a young engineer, and he was working at a company called, I think it was Reaction Motor. And the vice president came in and said, next week, President Kennedy is going to be making a speech about us being able to send a, a man to the moon, and you guys are part of the team to figure out how we're going to do it. And they're all sitting there like, what? And when the design started coming up about the lunar module, my dad was looking at it and he said, we need to have a secondary system of rockets, retro rockets, to cushion the landing because as you have it, it's going to hit too hard and they'll have to have an auxiliary fuel supply. Well, all the engineers are laughing at him and they started calling him Rocket Man. All right. So, so ever before, you know, number 45 was calling Kim Jong Un Rocket Man. Decades before that, my dad was nicknamed Rocket Man. But the chief engineer said to my dad, his name was Earl. He goes, Earl, what's your idea? So dad explained it to him. Okay. Now, 10 years later, Apollo 11. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and I've been honored in my life. I have met both Neil Armstrong Shut and up. Buzz Aldrin. Oh, yeah, I've met, and I met John Glenn, Mike Foreman, who was a shuttle pilot, and I met the current head of NASA who was on one of the space shuttles, Bill Nelson. I've met five astronauts, I've three of them, one. absolutely, four of them prolific, one a politician. And uh, those are all stories in and of themselves. And See, this was not widely known until about 20 years ago. Buzz Aldrin said that when the Eagle, that was the lunar module, was going to land, they overshot their landing spot by 20 miles and in so doing burned up all of their reserve fuel. So they're on the moon. And then, of course, Neil Armstrong, one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind, and you know the rest is history. But what had happened was the ignition switch for the engines broke. And President Nixon was informed and he had a speech prepared how these heroes are going to die on the moon. And so Neil was the pilot. Buzz was the engineer. And Neil said, Buzz, can you fix this? And he took an old style big pen. He unscrewed and took the, the, the cartridge out. And he says, Neil, we got one chance. So he jammed it into the switch, pulled it up. They heard a click. Engines go off. All right. I heard Buzz Aldrin addressing a crowd of people, and he said, if we didn't have retro rockets, we never would have gotten off the moon. We would have died. And it suddenly dawned on me, it was my father wow. who came up with the idea for retro rockets on the lunar module. Wow. Now, is he in any books? Did he even make a footnote? No. And and that's one of the things that that... I have found in my work as a medium is that every life matters, every life counts. And there are so many days when people think nobody's noticed me, I don't matter. And that may be what you think, but in the bigger picture, everyone has their part to play. And then it even got a little bit freakier because Buzz Aldrin said, 
Meanwhile, at NASA, they had to completely recalculate their trajectory, and they were doing it with slide rolls because we landed and we took off from a point 20 miles different than what was planned, so they had to alter the course of the command module, and they pulled it off. And, you know, that was back in, in the golden age of NASA when it's like when you thought of perfection in human beings, it was NASA. It was none of this, oh, whatever, we'll get to it. And, and, and years, a couple of years later, Apollo 13, and we all remember the, the famous line, failure is not an option. Once again, my dad was part of the team that figured out really? how to get Apollo 13 back. And I'll never forget, I was a little kid and he came home and he said to my mom, he goes, Jeannie, I got to go back to work. And he goes, we got to figure out something tonight or these guys are going to die. And I remember saying, but dad, on TV, they said it's fine. He goes, of course, that's what they're saying. He goes, but we have to figure out something now. And that night they figured it out. That is amazing. I. Because I'm a big space guy. I'm a big space guy. And I knew these stories and I love it. And the fact that you've met astronauts, I kind of hate you right now for just a little <laughs> bit. Just a little bit. Because I've met a zillion people, right? I really have. And I've done so many interviews. Never met an astronaut. Never met one because I would just freak out, right? But I did meet this one guy's on a golf course, right? And I'm out there playing with this old guy wearing, he's wearing overalls and a flannel shirt on a golf course. Any course. And we start talking and he goes, and, and, and I said, so what are you doing? He goes, I'm retired. I said, where did you retire from? He goes, NASA. And I'm like a space geek. And I'm like, what did you do on NASA? He goes, I was on Werner Von Braun's team. Whoa. And I'm just freaking out. And here's what goes back to what you're telling. He sat back and he told me this stuff. And I've told this story before. As people have listened to the podcast regularly, you've heard this story. But he sat back and he goes, we could not make eye contact with the astronauts because we knew we were going to kill them. Wow. He goes, you could not look at these young men who were the best of the best. These were the best of everything we'd ever had. And we were trying to, we were trying to create a controlled explosion that would force a payload out of the gravity. He goes, that's all it was. We were blowing something up, but making it blow up in the correct direction. Yep. And, And he goes, Everything we had tried had failed. He goes, our failure rate was incredibly high. You would never get in a car that we told you, well, the failure rate is about 62%. And you would never get. And he goes, that was our failure rate. And But and they it, knew it, too. Yeah. All the, astro- the astronauts knew it. And I remember, I mean, I could go and tell, like, you know, how I met all these people. But when I met John Glenn, yeah, he came to sp- to speak to my law school. He was Senator Glenn at the time. And I walked right up to him. Everyone's like, you can't go up to him. I go, Senator Glenn, I'm a huge fan. I, I, I said, and, and I started saying, I live in East Coast, Central Florida. And he goes, do you ever go to Alma's Italian restaurant? I go, oh, my God, Alma's has the best sauce. You know, my mom's Italian, yeah. so she you know, she knew where the best sauce. And he said, yeah, the astronauts, and that's why we used to go there. The astronauts used to go and eat at Alma's. And Bernard Surf's, which I think is closed now, and Alma's is now a Mexican restaurant. And and we talked. and. I remember he said to me, he said, Mark, I said, what was it like, Senator Glenn? What was it like? He said, when I looked down and I saw the earth and how alive it was, he said, you could even feel the pulsation of life. And then I looked out into space and saw nothingness. He said, 
then I realized this is the only place we have to live. And you know what's really amazing, Gary? Yeah. William Shatner of Captain Kirk went up on what was a Blue Horizons recently. He said almost the same thing when he came off. There's Captain Kirk, the actor who brought Captain Kirk live, 90 years old, crying. He said, when you see the life and then you look out at space and see death, he said, I hope I never get over this. And it really gave me a whole new respect for William Shatner to see him so moved and touched by that. And I remember when I met Nichelle Nichols, who just recently passed Lieutenant Uhura, and um, everyone's like, oh, she's so nice, she's so nice. I don't know, she had a bit of an attitude. I mean, she was like, I'm Nichelle Nichols, you know, but I went up to her and I said, I think you're really cool. She goes, well, thanks. <laughs> but, but she told a great story, and I'm sure we've all heard it. And she said that she was talking to everybody, you know, it was a, a cocktail party, and she said that after the first season, she was done with Star Trek. She goes, I got tired of saying all hailing frequencies open. She goes, here I am, the black woman answering the phone calls. And so she told Gene Roddenberry, I'm done, I quit. And he said, please, Nichelle, don't do that. And that weekend, she was at a party in 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 L.A., and somebody said, Miss Nichols, you have a big fan here. And she turns around, and it's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And, and he said, Coretta and I love Star Trek, and we let the kids stay up and watch it. She goes, well, I'm leaving. He said, you're what? Under no circumstances are you to leave. You're portraying our people in the way that they should be portrayed, as equals, as part of the decision-making team, you will not be leaving Star Trek. So she said Monday morning, she calls up Gene Roddenberry and says, Gene, you're not going to believe this, but I'm staying because Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is making me stay. And and she said that her most prized possession, and it's uh, it was on the uh, coffee table in her living room, was Dr. King's book that he had autographed specifically to her. And then I find out that she, after her tenure with Star Trek, she began to recruit people, women and minorities, uh, to become astronauts and, and engineers for NASA. And so, you know, it's amazing here, you know, but how all these people are connected with space. And now, why am I talking so much about space? It's because in all of my work, I've written three books in my last two, but particularly my latest book, The Afterlife Frequency. The subtitle is The Scientific Proof of Spiritual Contact and How That Awareness Will Change Your Life. When I was about six years old, I remember I was looking at the stars with my dad. You know, my dad was my hero. He, he worked with astronauts. I thought dad was the coolest. And we got on the topic of forever. And he, because we're looking at the light of the stars, he said, some of those stars have burned out, but we'll see their light for thousands of years. And this is like, you know, my six-year-old mind is really working to wrap my head around this. And he said, Mark, there's no such thing as a mystery. There are only questions for which we do not yet have the answer. And if enough research, funding, focus, and dedication goes into anything, we're going to find an answer, and it will be based on science. That's what led to my work, The Afterlife Frequency, because I'm explaining what I do as a medium, but not just what I do as a medium, all the forms of spiritual contact. You know, people have had a visitation and a dream from a loved one. People have near-death experiences. 
what we now know as shared death experiences where somebody who's terminally ill and they start to talk to deceased loved ones and people around them who are not dying see those people and all these different forms of spiritual contact are all explainable on the basis of quantum physics. And so that's why I wrote this book and to explain it in a way that people want to read it. Cause I'm not going to subject you to some dry, boring. I, I suffered enough of that when I was practicing law and, and reading legal opinions. I'll, yeah, I'll explain the science, but then it's going to be illustrated with fast moving and, and touching stories because I believe in educating but entertaining at the same time. And it's because of my love of the space program, it's because of the influence of my dad that made me firmly believe that there is an explanation for everything, even the spiritual. See, I'm fascinated by that. I, uh, I, I have, I have young sons. That's right. I, this is the face of optimism, right? <laughs> At this age, I got a 10 to the 12 year old, but it's, it's fun for me because I've always been fascinated by space and I also have a deep faith. Right. I mean, my faith, the center, center, uh, a post of my life. And I love trying to explain to my kids that when I look into the universe, because you and I, I assume are close to the same age. When, when, when I look into the universe, I see God. When I was growing up, everything they thought about space when I was growing up turned out to be almost a hundred percent wrong compared to what we have today. Right. Sure. So because know, technology is evolving. Exactly. And yeah, exactly. And so when I sit back and see God, I said, there's no reason for us to be able to have a telescope that can look 40 billion light years away. Right. I mean, as your father was saying, the, the odds of that galaxy still existing, minuscule minuscule but the fact that and, and when you start seeing that and there's nothing wasted in nature there's nothing wasted your 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 attitude of every life matters to me it does because i go back to nature there's nothing wasted in nature so why would if you don't even believe in god why would right. life create this for for you to be a waste you're not yeah no matter who you are, you're not a waste. And, and that's where I see God. And that's one of the things, cause I, I've, I've been doing my research on you and reading and, and I love how, how you do ask the questions of faith, right? That you do sit back and go, this is proof that, cause my view, I, I can't say I, I understand. I'm not saying I don't buy into everything. I just say I don't understand everything you're saying. Cause some of it, I think for most people, we sit back and we go, what, what does that even mean? Or how does that go? Or why can't sure. spirits, why can't spirits talk in full sentences? You know, and, 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 and we'll get into that. You and I are going to talk about that. Yeah. 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 I, I was hoping so. Yeah. yeah. But it's, but it's one of those kind of deals where it, it does. I do love the fact that, that there's more to it than this. Just, just scientifically, when you look at everything, you've got to go, there's more to it than this. So why in the world wouldn't you apply that to yourself and the human experience? Your thoughts? Exactly. I've seen so many people say, well, if I don't have to know it, I don't worry about it. And they're on their journey. I'm on a different journey. And you brought up a very interesting point in your question. You said, well, I don't know if I believe everything, but I don't understand. Well, doesn't the path to understanding always begin with the phrase, I don't know? Amen. That's why you want to find, find out. I don't know. I, because I see so many of my colleagues who are mediums interviewed on TV. Well, how does this happen? I don't know. And, and they don't seek to understand. 
And in the practice of law, one of the things I like about the practice of law, Gary, is it puts you in everything. Think about, is there one aspect of our lives that doesn't have some form of legal regulation to the glasses that you wear, to the water that we drink, to the, you know, our cars? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people complain about that, but, you know, be thankful that we have a food and drug administration. So when we're drinking tap water, it's not killing us or that we're not drinking, you know, poisoned, you know, beverages or, or, you know, or all the problems foods. that China's having right now because they have no right, you know. Right. And also their, their regard for human life mm-hmm. is different, shall yes, we say, different. than those in the West. And I, I've spent, I haven't been to China, but I've been in totalitarian dictatorships, absolute monarchies, and in the third world and actually in Eastern Europe. And let me tell you something. I'll take our own flawed American dysfunctional democracy over the benevolent dictatorship of an absolute totalitarian regime any day of the week. Preach it, preach it, Mark, preach it. <laughs> well, I've been there. I I, I've seen it. I've seen it. And but the thing about law is it puts you in everything. And so throughout the course of my career, I was a prosecutor, criminal offense, personal injury litigator, and I specialized in head injury litigation. So I had to learn about the human brain. I had to learn about forensics. I had to learn about physics. I had to learn about chemistry. I had to learn about all these different disciplines. Then what was I doing in my free time? I was traveling all over the world because I've always believed in studying God. I've studied with Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, Christians, Native Americans, the religions of the Pacific, religions in in South America. And when I started on my path as a medium. So I was born this way, but then there came a time when I didn't have a choice. I had to do this. Mm-hmm. It all came together. And I realized that everything that had happened to me, my being an attorney, giving me the credentials and the analytical ability, my science background from dad, my diverse background in the practice of law, because, well, I'll, I'll tell you how it happened. Both my parents had these abilities. Being a medium runs in my family for generations. I've tracked it back on both sides of the family into the 1890s. And my mother's grandmother, Giovanna, she came over from Italy, and she was referred to in the North Jersey and Little Italy community of New York as the woman who knows things. And high-ranking officials from the Catholic Church used to meet with her and confer with her. In fact, PBS did a special in 2016 called The Italian Americans. It was a two, it was like four hours long. They did an entire segment, Gary, on Giovanna, my maternal great-grandmother, and even mentioned her psychic abilities. And it was so cool because like every commercial break, my cousins, you know, were all calling back and forth, did you see that? You know, and, and so... And then on my father's side of the family, they were very waspy Pennsylvanian Baptists. But my dad had four siblings. He's a medium. His sister Marjorie was his mother, Isabel, and his maternal grandmother, Grace. So this is a recessive genetic trait, meaning not everybody has it. So it's like being left-handed. You know, whether you're right-handed or left-handed is genetic. Yeah. And so, so this is like, you know, like that. But when you get two parents that possess the same genetic proclivity, then, then, you know, here I am. And I was unplanned. I was, they had me later in life. You know, I have an older sister, an older brother, and they You're didn't plan an anything. Baby too. 
Yeah. I'm a new mom always, yeah, mom always said, uh, you are a space baby, you know, our alien baby, you know. So, My sisters so I, always say I was a Thanksgiving meal that got out of hand. <laughs> Well, it's funny because, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's why there's so many births like in August and early September because you go back and, oh, yeah, holidays. But at any rate, so so I came along and then I was very close to, to both my parents. We, we always got along really well. I mean, yeah, when I was a teenager, you know, every teenager is, you know, you're going through that now, so you get it. And I remember I was sitting in my law office one day. And I was thinking about spaghetti, not an unusual thing for an Italian boy to think about. But I pick up the phone. I called mom and she said, honey, I just made spaghetti. Why don't you come over for lunch? I thought, OK, because, you know, they only lived a couple miles away. So I drove over. Mom looked tired that day, but she was her usual upbeat, bubbly self. And and I had a great time with my mom and dad. And as I was about to leave, she said, Mark, I'm going to say something to you. She said, I have three great kids and I'm so happy you're my son and she hugged me and kissed me and i said i love you mom and the next morning i was in court and the judge's assistant came out into the court and said mark we need you in chambers right now and we walk in and there was a call from my secretary that my mother had died and mom knew her body she knew she was winding down and she said goodbye to me and i'm like you know Obviously, I was devastated, and I spiraled into this this awful depression that everybody listening who's lost a loved one knows exactly what I'm talking about. And so about two weeks after that, I'm driving from the courthouse back to my, my law office, and I'm the senior partner of a law firm, and I'm trying to maintain my composure, and one of those waves of grief hit me. You know, grief is like an ocean swell. It, you know, it's always there, but every now and then you get that big tsunami that hits you. And I figure, all right, this is not safe for me to drive. So I pull over into a parking lot of a convenience store and I'm sitting there. I go, man, I got to get my act together. I can't go into my office like sobbing. And all of a sudden this flash of light goes off in the car. And I turn to the passenger side, Gary, and I see the silhouette of mom in the silver white light. And her voice fills my head and she said, let go of the sorrow, but hold on to the love. Mark, you've been given the gift of mediumship so that you would not be crushed by grief, but now you must help those who are suffering with theirs. It is your life mission to help people understand that God exists, that heaven exists, that souls are immortal living spirits, that we can communicate with souls and that you will be reunited with your loved ones in the light that is God. So I'm soaking wet now. I'm just like sweating and I sink back into my seat and all I can say, Gary, is okay. You know, people talk about these enlightenment. I hear about these people. I was in Maui and I was on this mountaintop and, and it was just, you know, mine was, you know, it was the, New York, New Jersey, Italian fire hose right to the face. Everything in my life from that point on changed. Within weeks, I started working on my first book, Never Letting Go. Then I was offered a job at a government agency to oversee court operations. So I figured, okay, now I can get out of the private practice because you never get a break when you're in private practice. Then Never Letting Go comes out, hits bestseller status. 
My manager, Rocky, I bring her on board. She arranges for me to speak first in New York City. I'm on MSNBC on this show called The Docket. And then I was speaking. We went to Boston where I was speaking at Harvard. So I'm at Harvard and it's uh, right before a couple. It's, it's like first weekend in December. And it was beautiful. You know, we have hot cups of coffee and, and we're walking around and, you know, it's Harvard. It's, it's just an absolutely beautiful campus. My cell phone rings. It's my boss. You're taking too much time off from work. I said, yeah, but I'm taking my vacation time. I'm catching political flack because I hired a psychic. I said, well, I wasn't hired because I'm a psychic. And I said, you know, my my religious beliefs really are not subject to scrutiny. This is the United States of America. Yeah, well, I said, here, let me make it easy. I quit. And he goes, okay. And and I could he tell he was relieved. And I remember hanging up the phone and going, oh, my God, I just quit the practice of law. And my manager, Rocky, she said, Mark, take a look around. I go, yeah. She says, where are you? I said, Harvard. And what are you doing in an hour? Giving a talk on life after death and signing copies of my new book here at Harvard. She said, do you ever think that you're exactly where you're supposed to be? And you know what, Gary? I've never looked back. And I realized that, that everything that I'd been through led up to that point. And that's not some special thing unique to me. That's unique to you. Everything in your life has led up to this point. That's unique to everybody who's listening. Everything that happens to us for good, for bad, for what we may think is indifferent is all part of our journey. We grow in response to adversity. Something terrible happens to you, like you lose a loved one. Well, it's your choice, how you react to it. You're, you're welcome to start snorting all sorts of drugs, shoot up, you know, do some heroin, start drinking. You can take that path, or you could get angry and resentful and bitter, or you can embark on a spiritual journey to become more open-minded, more compassionate, and learn. And, and you know, that is the choice that we have. There's a day we're coming out, and a day we're, we're leaving this world. And what we have a choice with is what we do with the time in between. And I'm not saying that, that life is easy for anybody. It's always challenging, but we are the ones who decide what we're going to do with our time. And I realized at that point that the practice of law had been a, a wonderful career. I was very good at it, but now it was time for a new path. So that's how I got to be the psychic lawyer. And then when I was in the media, people said, you're a medium and a lawyer. You're the psychic lawyer. So then the media labeled me that. And then when I was appearing on a number of shows talking about ancient mysteries, somebody said, well, they called me the psychic Indiana Jones, the psychic explorer. So that's why my brand is Mark Anthony J.D., Juris Doctor, my law degree, psychic explorer. So we kind of put it all together because, and, and that's what I do now. I, I help people understand that there is more to this life than what our five physical senses can perceive. Fascinating and well said. Okay, I got questions. I know you guys got questions. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll come right back with Mark Anthony. 
So I want to tell you about our new sponsor, The Gym Guys. I have been working out with them for over a year now. It all started with a pandemic, and there was no place to go. The gyms were closed, all that kind of stuff. I found The Gym Guys because they come to you. The commute is theirs. Isn't that one of the worst parts of working out? Is You have to factor in the commute time. Not with The Gym Guys. And it's more motivating. It's one thing to say, I'm going to work out today. It's another thing if you know, like, I have Luciana coming over today at 11.15. i got to be ready for it. And then they change the workouts up for you. They give you an app so when you're working out on your own, you know how to do it right and what you're trying to do. And they also give you access to a nutritionist. It's all there for you. You can take it as, you know, if you're just starting your journey or maybe you want to take your journey to the next level. They've even got a contest on how you can win 100 free sessions with your friends and coworkers. It's at TheBiggestMover.com. TheBiggestMover.com. But you'll find the gym guys on the web. G-Y-M-G-U-Y-Z. So we're back. And I think that's brilliant. I, I love the story you, you, you told. Uh, we had a similar experience. My mother took me to the airport and she walked to the gate and I happened to look up. That was back in the days you could walk to the gate and I look up and she's standing it. She's standing in the thing and she's crying. Never seen her do that before. And a couple of months later, cause I was flying back to California, she had passed. And I think subconsciously she knew this is the last time I will see you in this form. This is the last time that we'll be in this, in this thing. I will give you one other thing. When she passed, she, she suddenly passed out. They did CPR. She came to, she looked up. Her words were, don't worry about me. I'm fine. And died. You know, that phenomenon is known as the deathbed vision because your mother, it seems what I'm feeling is that she died from what's known as a ventricular fibrillation. The electrical system in her heart gave out and she wasn't able to, to, in other words, even though they were able to get her, her heart going, that was her time. Mm -hmm. And she had momentarily crossed to the other side, came back and said, I'm fine. And she wasn't coming back. Now, you know, don't take that in a, in a callous oh, way. No, no. It's, 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 it's because I've been at the bedside of a number of people as they're transitioning and families ask me to do that. And being a medium is a great responsibility. And it is times like that when that the responsibility is the heaviest. But I've yet in the thousands of readings that I've conducted, I've probably read for close to 15,000 people and at least half a dozen spirits per person come through. In a re- I had one reading where 24 spirits came through, 21 people, two dogs and Rusty the horse. I mean, it was, it was a trip, you know, because you know, animals come through. People think, well, animals don't have souls. Oh, but they do. And the thing is, I've yet to meet a spirit that said, oh, boo-hoo, I'm dead. Now, I want to be for the benefit of listeners. That does not mean if you're unhappy to cut your life short. Many people do think about suicide and please understand that you're not alone Mm -hmm. and there are trained professionals there to help you. There are national suicide hotlines. So if you feel that you're at the end of your rope, don't let go, hang on to it and make that call because there are people who care. And as we said at the beginning of this, you matter. Yes, everybody, every life matters, every life counts, even when you think it, it, it doesn't, it really, really does. 
Yeah, I, 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 and I love, I, I you know, because I find comfort. I, I have, I shared that story with you because I take comfort from it. My mother had a deep faith, and I, you know, she was like exactly what you said. She went to the other side and said, "Hey, that's that's where I want to go." This is yep. this experience. I had a friend of mine describe life as we are angelic beings having a human experience, right? So, yes. so it's the, the soul, as you say, the, the soul goes on. And, and I loved, I was, I was reading some of this stuff and you were saying it's electromagnetic. It's, it's created in the science of it. That yes. electromagnetic, it doesn't disappear. You know, there no. is no energy can only be transformed. It cannot be dissipated. Exactly. And that's in, in my book, The Afterlife Frequency, I introduced the term the electromagnetic soul. And a number of scientists and neuroscientists have started using it. They, they're referring to it as the EMS. And it was such an honor. And it's to describe what we really are, which is a soul. Call what we are a soul or a spirit in realms of faith, consciousness in the realms of physics, psychology, and philosophy. But it's the same thing. It's the energy of who and what we are. We know from the study of neuroscience that the brain has an electromagnetic field. And we know from the second law, excuse me, the first law of thermodynamics that energy can either be created nor destroyed, only transferred. So I developed the term the electromagnetic soul to describe in 21st century terminology what we really are, which is pure energy that is eternal consciousness. Is that why, and you say it's it's a tingling experience, is that why you don't get complete sentences? Because as you said, there could be, you said every every reading you've ever done has had multiple, multiple spirits. Is that one of the um, reasons? Sometimes there's maybe just one or two, but they're never alone. I can always sense there's more. Yeah. So, so what it is, you're never alone on the other side. Think of your soul as a drop of water. Your EMS is a drop of water. And when we die, it plunges into this eternal sea that I refer to as the collective consciousness. We've heard the term, we're all the cells in the body of God. We're all energetically interconnected. Edgar Casey called it the universal mind. This is a concept that has been throughout the Buddhists talk about the stream of consciousness. I mean, all the, all the great spiritual teachers are, are discussing this. And so when you're interfacing with spirits, think of instead of a drop of water, you have maybe a couple cups of water coming through. And when you're communicating with a particular spirit, think of the, the spirit communicating as the lead singer to your chorus. And so he or she is harmonized with the other spirits. So you may be talking to Aunt Martha, but you're getting information that pertains to Uncle Bob, Cousin Charlie, and your friend, you know, Pete that, that may have passed. And, and so I go into explaining how, how all this works. And once again, it isn't magic or, or hocus pocus. I find it fascinating. And, but with complete sentences, you have to understand that spirit communication isn't texting or instant messaging. We live in the information age where we, you know, it's like if I can't figure something out, I pick up my phone and I ask it, you know, what is this? You know, and, and so we're used to getting these instant answers. What is spirits doing? They're communicating with us from another dimension. And I call mediumship, I've termed it interdimensional communication. Let me make it simple. Think of our world as AM radio. Yeah. It has frequency, vibration, energy. The other side is FM radio. So you have two energetic systems that coincide. Well, what happens in spirit communication is spirits bring their vibrational frequency down. 
we raise our vibrational frequency and you get a frequency match. Sometimes the the alignment is stronger or clearer than others. Other times you get like, so what a spirit's doing is they're emitting waves of electromagnetic energy, which are entering my brain. And then my brain's electrical field converts those impulses into recognizable concepts based on my memories, feelings, or cultural associations. Sometimes I'll get complete sentences. Good example of this. I was doing a reading for this woman about two weeks ago, and her husband came through and showed me all of a sudden this image of a beautiful black stallion. I mean, it was shiny, galloping all over, and then referenced her son, who's here in this world. And she said, well, we're not really horse people. I mean, horses are nice. And she goes, wait a second. She said, my son just bought a brand new shiny black Porsche. And I said, wait a second. What's Porsche's logo? She said, a black stallion. And then we realize, see, so sometimes it's a bit of interpretation. So her husband was letting her know that he's aware that their son just bought a shiny black new Porsche and showing this beautiful horse, which not only was black and shiny, but also happened to be the logo to the Porsche, you know, the Porsche logo. Another fascinating case. Spirits can see the future. I wish we had more time because I, I get into all this in the book about everything's made of molecules, made of atoms, made of electrons, protons, and neutrons, made of the most basic unit of a quantum, yeah. ergo the term quantum physics, and that quantum is electromagnetic energy. So everything, you, me, the air we're breathing, the radio waves, the show's on, uh, the surface of the moon, it's all electromagnetic energy at the most basic level. And from Albert Einstein onward, and Einstein, Feynman, Heisenberg, uh, Machio Kaku, Stephen Hawking, Max Tegmark, all theorize that on the quantum level, past, present, and future are occurring simultaneously. And that's a lot to wrap your head around. Here's, here's an example in action. So I'm doing a reading for this woman, and it's over the phone, and... Her mother's spirit comes through and begins to talk about this young man on her level who's alive. I said he's about seven years old. She goes, well, I don't have a son. She goes, but I have a nephew that I'm very close to. And he's, yeah, he just turned seven. I said, she's talking about his eyes. There's some problem going on with his eyes. My nephew's been complaining of headaches and saying it's hard to see things. You got to get him to the eye doctor. She goes, okay, I'll call my sister, his mom. And I said, now I'm hearing little Richard singing Tutti Frutti, oh, Rudy, Tutti Frutti. And she goes, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. She goes, oh, we know who he was, but it does, you know, we're not fans. It doesn't make any sense. I go, well, that's the message. Two weeks later, I get an email. I called my sister. She said, yeah, her son's complaining of issues with his eyes. So we made an appointment and I went with my sister and my nephew to the eye doctor. And as soon as we opened the door to the doctor's office and walked in on the radio was playing Tutti Frutti, Ah Rudy by Little Richard. <laughs> now, radio waves are a form of electromagnetic energy. Spirits being Pure electromagnetic energy are able to see the past, present, future. When you begin to empirically analyze that, first off, the mother said, I'm around, I'm aware of what's happening, my grandson needs to get to the eye doctor. Luckily, all he needed was reading glasses, it wasn't anything serious, but it still needed to be treated. So she brought that message, and to confirm 
that they were on the right track, she was able to see what you and I would consider to be the future, but for a spirit is happening simultaneously, a song that would confirm it. Now, if you want to say, oh, that's just a lucky guess, please enlist a statistician to try to determine the odds of that particular song playing at that particular time two weeks after that message came through. You know, I think, yeah, we're billion to one. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe what, more. <laughs> what we found out, and because I study this all the time, I love Stephen Meyer, who's, you know, who's written the God Hypothesis and stuff. What we found out in science is that the most overused and incorrectly used word in science is random. <laughs> yes. yes. Random rarely yeah. ever happens. Random rarely ever happens. As a matter of fact, random is random. Right. Yeah. It's tremendously random. So uh, stuff like that. I get it. When you were sitting there talking about uh, the sentences, uh, my first thought was, you know, I have got friends that I text with and we never use words. We use emojis and GIFs. Right. That's what right. we do. And that's, and that's how we communicate where we'll send each other an emoji or a GIF and, and we never use a word. And that seems, that seems to, fall in line with some of the things you're feeling and, and, and experiencing. No, absolutely. Because we're receiving messages, visions. Like, like when my mother came through, I heard her voice loud and clear. Those were paragraphs that she was giving me. But then again, that was also my mother and she was tuned. She knew she had my undivided attention. So she tuned right into my brainwave frequency. And I explain in, in my book how there's five different brainwave frequencies, gamma, beta, alpha, theta, and delta. Gamma's ultra-high frequency, that's when you're on final jeopardy. Okay, your brain's like cranking at full blast. Beta is the awake state we're in now. Alpha is the relaxed, meditative, going to sleep. Theta is dreaming sleep, and delta is, is no dreams, but your body's repairing. Alpha-theta border is when psychic and mediumistic activity occurs. That's why they come to you in your dreams. When people say, I dreamt of my father and it felt real, that's because it was. And for some reason, people like me are capable of going from the beta to the alpha theta state within seconds. And that's why connecting with spirits, it does feel like I'm in a daydream. And then afterwards, I'm, you know, I'm wiped out, but in a good way. And so for people here who feel the presence of a spirit or who've had, and when they're asleep, a dream where they have a coherent conversation, not some surrealistic craziness, but a beginning, a middle and an end. And you come out of it feeling that was the real thing. That's because it was. Okay. This is I hopefully, hopefully this is our first episode, Mark, because I still, I, I still I would love to come back the things that I still want to go with and go down and find out more about your journey, about how you got from there, more of what it's like, more of what are the things that have happened to you, because I know you're busy and got all these kind of things, but let's schedule our next episode because I, I told you guys it's going to be fun, right? I mean, this went by like that for me, right? And I've, 
We've all had interviews where you're like, please just shut up. <laughs> you're not that guy. And I've so Thank enjoyed you. this. The Afterlife Frequency, you can find his website, look up Mark Anthony. It's, it's just, you'll see it because I've got your website right here. And, and you, you, the, the psychic lawyer, I mean, all the books that are on there, his TV appearances. It's, it's, you're just really engaging. I, I see why they chose you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Gary. And I, it's been such an honor to be on your show. I was really looking forward to it and I've enjoyed this and I, I would be honored to come back. You're coming back. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe, download a few more episodes and please leave a review. Reviews really help us get this out to more people like you. Also, we'd love to hear what your favorite part was. Be sure to join us on social media to engage in even more unexpected conversations. Until next time.